You are listening to Girl, Not This, a podcast series dedicated to my fellow besties trying to navigate their 20s, coming to terms with their spirituality, and healing while still living at home. My name is Lindsay, and thank you for joining in. In today's episode, I am joined by Tracy Marie, where we sit and chat about pop culture, imposter syndrome, and all things in between. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Girl Not This. This is actually episode 13. Yay! <laughs> we made it to our final episode of the season. So I would like to thank each and every one of you for tuning in every week and li- giving me a listen. Today, I am joined by a friend and scholar, Tracy Marie. Tracy is a student currently at UCLA. But she, when I met her, she was a student at SMC. And I just remember always asking her questions and just picking her brain on a lot of things because she always had something very insightful to say. So she graduated from SMC with an associate's in fashion merchandising. Currently at UCLA, she is studying Chicano Central American Studies and Gendered Studies as well. So that's amazing. Tracy, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I feel super excited and really honored for you to like think about me and to even think that like I can say something insightful, you know, like that you you, you live your life talking to people and you never know what, you know, I talk a lot. So <laughs> I, I can't believe that people are inspired and want to listen to me. So I appreciate you. <laughs> No, girl, I just remember like I was I considered myself a baby when I first started working at Lush. And I just remember seeing you as like this badass, just like, I don't know, I just thought you were so cool. And I was like, oh, my gosh, yes, another LA native who knows what's up about a lot of things. So it was really great just hearing Mm -hmm. you talk and hearing you say like, well, actually, there's a study. (laughs) And I'm just like, wow, okay, go off queen, miseducated. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny, dude. Like sometimes I try to like suppress that and then like not want to be like, well, actually. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, if I feel like men can get away with it so much, we're like, well, actually, yes. women can oh do it God. too, girl. Put them that in their is place. So true. Yes, you're right. I'm gonna remember that. <laughs> I live in my uh delusional the what did he say? The Delulu life. Um, <laughs> since the men love to do it too. <laughs> Girl, and it's always like, I'm not going to lie to you, too. It's always like, well, playing devil's advocate. And you're like, fuck off. Dude, I've been in like spaces like that where like the dudes just kind of put themselves on the pedestal and just start talking, which I get it. Like people want to everybody wants to be listened to. But then there's that component. They're so confident in themselves. And then we as women, sometimes like we have to like Google it to like make sure we're saying like verifying our thoughts and we're like oh actually I am right let me go let me go and um, actually say this sometimes I have to like stop myself from being like well let me make sure that I'm what I'm saying is actually factual and so like I google it I'm like oh yeah I'm right I'm gonna say this but then I'm like wait I should just go ahead and fucking talk because I know I know what I'm talking about exactly (laughs) yeah and I think that's what bothers people yes Yes. 100% 
Yeah. Yeah. And especially a brown woman who knows what she's talking about, I'm sure it rubs them the wrong way. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the times I feel like people don't expect it. I've always heard the, oh, well, you're so well spoken. You're so articulate. And I'm like, well, you know, at first I was like, oh, wow, that's so nice of them. And the more I started learning and understanding, like, those are actually like thoughts that people, you know, they're prejudiced, they're microaggressions. And um, I didn't even know what a microaggression was until probably I was in my late 20s because I'm I'm a non-traditional student. So and and a non-traditional student, I want to like clarify this. So a lot of people hear it, it's thrown around and, and it's for, it's a, basically somebody that goes to higher education like college like after taking a break it doesn't matter like if you like go to work and you're 19 you decide to go back into college that's also non-traditional because you're not going into higher education straight out of high school and so me being non-traditional sometimes like you feel a little like bad like not bad but like we're like put on these timelines and we're kind of like we kind of second guess ourselves and so that's like another layer and like thinking about all of our intersections of identity because a lot of the times you know the more we learn and it's like a lot of unlearning because you know we're kind of conditioned into like falling into these traditions and not kind of seeing what else is out there and so we kind of just live our lives like oh yeah that you're right like I I am well spoken and I am articulate but why wouldn't I why wouldn't you expect me to sound like this or to have these thoughts and so that makes me think like well I think these are they stem from stereotypes in the media and yeah and so I just think it's it's really interesting where a lot of unlearning comes because me and me at 21 I wouldn't I wouldn't have these thoughts I wouldn't I didn't it's I admire a lot of like the Gen Z folks like I learn a lot from the other generations and something that rubs me the wrong way is like all these like millennials gen x oh well the gen z's and all this stuff and it's like what why are we continuing this like this thing well oh uh, they couldn't be me or they're not like us well clearly we're different generations (laughs) like so and we could learn from each other so anyway i just wanted to add that that was no that was really really great and actually that's so funny i was just joking with a couple co-workers yesterday because of course i work with different walks of life mm-hmm. and I jokingly say like I'm a zillennial because I'm like <laughs> I think I'm like the last year of millennial yeah and I I clearly remember like dial up internet and like yes. floppy disks and shit like that where it's like some Gen Z's are like what the girl what are you talking about what is that so I'm like I feel like I'm both because I was still raised by the internet like the, like Google came out in 95 like yeah so by the time I was a kid like it was already around for like a couple years 10 years or so by the time I was like conscious of enough, enough to be on the internet I sure. had my space like I'm yeah. very much like I'm a zillennial because Absolutely. I really yeah and I I feel the same like I'm I guess people would label me as like an elder millennial but I don't like the term elder because like not because of the old thing because of the wise thing like I'm not like there's other elders that deserve that that title I'm not there yet um maybe I'm I don't know what's the good we have to think of a good term for middle-aged millennial I don't know I mean, you know, as and I think this comes with like this whole idea that like women don't want to talk about their age and like aging is taboo and this like fountain of youth that we like 
constantly strive to stay under but you know a lot of the discourse around like millennials is like we're like not aging or but it's like what is that like a lot of the times we're put these these like time frames are like oh by a certain age you can't dress this way you can't be into certain Ugh. things like like you know i'm gonna buy i'm collecting barbies like i have squishmallows like I'm, oh my god so cute i just turned 37 you know and i you know like i'm not gonna hide it i'm i can't like why am i gonna continue this like hiding of the age thing where and, and it, it's always like women too and it's because of ageism and, and misogyny because the older we get there's like this value thing labeled to us because of society and gender norms and and then that's why women constantly you know I always hear this thing like oh well men age gracefully it's like well women do too <laughs> it's just that they're held to different standards than men yes then it comes into like and it's not just that. It's like any gender too. No, yeah, I completely agree. And it's so funny because a few months ago, not a few months ago, it was like almost a year ago, actually, I was working for some company. I was, I had my own staff and one of my like employees, he was in like his mid thirties. He didn't mm-hmm. look like it, but I was like, oh my God, like, I didn't know that I could, I could not, you know, and he's like, yeah, I'm in my mid thirties. I was like, that's so cool. When he asked me my age, I think I was like a month away from turning 27. So I was mm-hmm. already being like oh I'm 27 and then right when we were getting closer to my birthday he's like oh so you're gonna be 28 and I was like oh no I'm actually I'm turning 27 but you know I'm like a month away so I just you know and he was like dumbfounded and was like I have never met a woman who rounded up her age and I was like (laughs) dude I was like a month away it's not that I'm saying I'm 30 like and I just I remember it being like damn like is age really so taboo with women like when we ask each other each other's age we're like oh sorry to ask but like if you don't mind sharing and it's like girl just tell me your fucking age like yeah. I I'm like I'm 27 yes I know I'm a baby to you okay thank you but you, you know, know? It's crazy I just had this epiphany we're literally a decade apart you know what yeah so cool <laughs> and you know and I love that because like you the the different walks of life te- like a decade means a lot and like our outlooks are so different but yet very similar and so I don't know like I just think that's very interesting like I, I think about that often because you know in pop culture I remember growing up like watching um, like I Love Lucy and stuff like that and it's like that like they never talked about their age like I remember like bits of like you know saying like oh well you know you can't touch that subject and, and then you can still see it now and but I think it's kind of shifting because like like the whole like I don't know that reboot of Sex in the City where they're like uh, I think it's I, I forget what it's called but anyway it's like Sex in the City and it's like them in their 50s and so they're like openly like you know dating in their 50s talking about love marriage divorce all all the things and I think that's interesting because it's a nice shift to see because a lot of the times we're just constantly seeing everything pushed on us like to be bought and like you know that's what capitalism does like we push these products to like sell it and we're gonna buy it because we want to stay young but we don't have to we we don't have to continue that but at the same time if that's what you want to do there's no hate towards that too because you know like plastic surgery and like um all this stuff is very big right now do you think it's big or do you think it's just not frowned upon anymore because i remember being younger and people being like oh she's plastic like it was Mm. it's been around for years it's you know yes. it's so I just well, remember I think, like Nip Tuck and oh yeah those shows on sure. E. Oh, yeah I forgot about Nip Tuck yeah you know what's crazy I think what it is is I thought I've 
thought about this and like I'm chronically online so I'm like scrolling through TikTok and I see a lot of different discourse and what I really think it is is it's more attainable it's more affordable people are it's what's the word it's more accessible now and so like the re- the regular people are like going out and getting like BBLs and doing the facelifts and where it was just kind of like this like celebrity thing and only upper class rich people were able to do that but now we kind of see it like shifting where like like I don't know like Black China and other people never mind I can't remember the celebrity but there's a lot of celebrities that are publicly going and talking about removing oh Kehlani that's who removed her breast implants so you know a lot of different celebrities are removing their breast implants and like talk about going natural and it's, I really feel like it's this like this cultural shift where people are like oh well I can't be associated with like regular people so now I need to go to find a different thing and it's like quiet luxury and all this other stuff and I really think it's like this class thing where it's like now the masses are getting it celebrities and like rich people are like oh well now I, I'm gonna start eating clean and like I'm gonna like do all these other like holistic things to stay young because they don't want to be associated with something that's so easily accessible like that i don't know that's just a that's a thought maybe i don't know that's but a lot of celebrities still are super proud about having like body modifications like that and stuff so you know i mean cardi b i mean I don't know what she's done, but she loves her body. She's yeah, like, yeah, she I got great. this. I did yeah. it. And and I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. your body. Like, it, you shouldn't be ashamed of what you're doing to your body. Exactly. And that's why I get so like people get so like, I mean, behind a phone or computer screen or whatever, you can be bold as fuck and you can oh, talk yeah. your shit and all Keyboard of that. warriors. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I'm like, but when I'm reading these comments, like if I see a post and I like go through the comments and I just see someone being like, oh, all plastic or all this. I'm like, where, what are you getting from this? Like how exactly. is her getting breast implants affecting you in your life you know I really sometimes it's like a projection thing and I also think sometimes like women are harsh on other women because of misogyny and a lot of the times like people think misogyny just comes from men but anybody can be a misogynist like a lot of the times we're pit against each other um for numerous reasons I don't know like competition whatever but I really feel like it should be some kind of like a collective of women like trying to like I don't know be together and like like support each other like not talk shit about each other but that's just kind of like pop culture like we see it like reality tv shows all that people love it you know yeah and they emulate it in their own life you know like they're in the comments saying all this stuff and then you see like i don't know like i've lately i've seen like footage of people at concerts like fighting and stuff like that and it's just like what's happening but then at the same time we got to think about the last four years (laughs) with covid and the elections and the uprisings i mean like there's so there's so much that like people are just like there's a lot of turmoil and the lack of access to like healthcare, which includes mental health care too i really feel like people are just kind of like not knowing how to cope with their feelings and then they just kind of like burst and have these meltdowns in public and now we have these little devices that we have everywhere and everybody's just filming everybody having a meltdown and it's just so sad yeah 100 percent. and you know what's crazy is that something i thought about while uh when we were talking about like women and like kehlani taking out her breast implants and things like that we're entering the age of aquarius 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's said that like Aquarians, it's all about like authenticity being yourself. So a lot of astrologers have predicted this, that they're like, we're going to be turning away from celebrities. We're going to be turning away from that sort of life and kind of be more mm-hmm. with authenticity. And like, so maybe that's why it's just like not even like celebrities, but like even within themselves, they feel like I'm not being myself. I'm being what the media or whatever the hell portrayed me to be and now they're just kind of like I'm good I'm gonna do me I don't want these breast implants I got them for all the wrong reasons and I think that's what we're trying to we're we're starting to see like unravel and what's crazy to me is like I've never really followed the Kardashians like that or the Jenners it's just I've never related or wanted or you know I've you know I'm like oh culture vulture like Mm -hmm. taking from other people's cultures and making it their own I've never really related to them but of course they're all over social media so it's kind of hard not to keep up with them sometimes yeah and I remember one video that really stood out to me that made me think of Age of Aquarius it's because they say like Kylie Jenner and like her sister are so out of touch like they are so out of touch and like Nepo baby like they're just so out of touch that a lot of people now as we're entering the Age of Aquarius they're realizing like all they care about is like having their name out there having the the name brand stuff you know, mm-hmm. looking beautiful, looking fabulous. But when it comes down to like, like just showing who they are personally, like who they are as a person, they can't do that. So people are like, we can't relate to you. So they're kind of getting over them in a way, I yeah. guess. But yeah, that really I- kind of stood out to me. Are you looking for fitwear that not only looks good, but makes you feel good? Soulwork Fitness provides a collection that not only positively impacts your self-image, but provides a mindful reminder on how beautiful you are. As someone who's worn their leggings, shorts, and energy tee, I can only rave about the fit and comfort of these items. And we love a Latina-owned business in this house. Please check them out on Instagram at soulwork.fitness or their website, swfitness.shop. I totally agree because I we saw I feel like we saw that kind of shift in like during like the height of the pandemic, like right around like March, April 2020, with a lot of celebrities like I remember there was like this controversy with Ellen. She was like staying in her multi-million dollar mansion. She was like, oh, it feels like prison. And people are like, do you know what prison is? Like when you're incarcerated, you do not have all those luxuries you have in your whole entire home. And so that's when it's like, I felt like, you know, people are just like, like we had time to think we were in our homes. We, we had like, I don't know, speaking for myself, at least, like I had a lot of time to think I was like reflecting, really breaking down like what the fuck I was doing for the past four years before that. And, you know, like these things I was like trying to attain. And it's like, I don't want that anymore. Like I wanted to like pursue fashion and do all this stuff. And like, but then you start to realize like these spaces, like, I don't know, like we start to feel like going back to like the imposter thing, like we start to feel like, well, maybe we don't belong in here, but it's not that it's just because people those spaces weren't really made for us when you're thinking about like high-end fashion and celebrity spaces like I don't know if you come from a working class or working poor family like from like me like you don't have like that shit like you can't even fathom their lifestyle and so I don't know like then you start to think like well at least like for me like I'm like do I even want this like if I can't 
I don't know. And especially if I'm trying to be fake and like, I don't know, I realized that these values don't align with my values. And so that's how I kind of ended up like going from wanting to be like in the fashion industry, like styling and like doing all this stuff to actually like researching, well, what does this impact? Like, how does this impact society and specific groups? Like, so I was like, you know, thinking about like you mentioned, like culture vultures and um, like in, on TikTok, you see that a lot. And I really wanted to like learn more or like kind of like understand understand like well why is it that you know the kardashians and like hailey bieber can you know go on all these social media platforms and have these like um like the wear dark lip liner big hoop earrings their hair slicked back and they're like oh my god they're so fashionable clean girl look you know and then like when i wear or not when i wear but like when you know you hear like the discourse and it's like called ghetto, chola, chuntis, trashy. And, and like, you're like, but well, wait, like, like, I mean, that style doesn't belong to anybody, but on certain bodies, it becomes this, like this excessive thing. And actually there's this really great scholar. Her name is Jillian Hernandez and she wrote this book, but yeah, she wrote a book about um, how like black and brown bodies and their excessive style, quote unquote. And you not not that that we think they're excessive, but then the dominant culture under white supremacist and Eurocentric values views it as excessive with lots of jewelry, makeup, um, you know, thinking about dress codes in the workplace, you know, people being policed for wearing certain jewelry, hairstyles, like Black women and African-American women are constantly policed for their hair, and they can't wear protective hairstyles or natural hairstyles, and they're going to be, you know, called different names like unprofessional. And that's why, I don't know if you like the, have heard of the Crown Act, it passed in in California, it was like one of the first, we were one of the first states to pass this like act that would protect Black and African American folks from wearing their natural hairstyles and protective hairstyles out in workplaces without being like written up or like whatever, you know, and I think that's crazy to me that in 2020 or 2021, that just existed, like, and more states are starting to take on. But I mean, inherently, I think dress codes are racist, because I mean, why else would, you know, like, what, why can't people be professional and wear whatever they want, you know, and I fell into that idea too, where, you know, you, I was like, and that's respectability politics, you know, people want, you have to dress a certain way to get respect. Um, and that is something that, you know, Black and brown women have to deal with in the workplaces. I mean, there's so many, like so many things, like even wearing like bright colors and like jewelry and like people wear rings on each, on all the fingers. People are like, oh, that's trashy and all this stuff. And it's like, no, it's fucking beautiful. Like, you know, having like signature jewelry that you wear every day, like what the fuck? That is beautiful, you know? And um, for people to think otherwise is really sad to me you know no 100% I remember again pop culture man I remember the whole Hailey Bieber thing where it's like oh her glazed donut lip or some shit where she was literally just putting on brown lip liner and like a clear gloss or some shit and I'm like black and brown women have been doing this for years yes and it's always been frowned upon like oh you look like a chola if you're Latina or like you look ghetto or like whatever and like that ties into me like top like wanting to talk about imposter syndrome because Mm -hmm. like a lot of people I mean my name doesn't help either my name is Lindsay which is like a very white name but there's times where I'm with a group of friends or just out and about with like a family member and they obviously look 
either Latina or whatever. And we get like looked at. We get like, do you need me to hold those items at the front for you? We get all of that versus me by myself. People, I feel not, I don't feel bad. I shouldn't say I feel bad, but it's just kind of like, damn, I, I guess don't fit the mold of Latina, I guess, because people come up to me, they look at me and they're like, Ooh, like, do you speak Spanish? Because I'm white passing, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm again, my name, all of that people look at me, they're like, do you like, do you speak Spanish? And I have to go like, Oh my gosh, yeah. And like, I start talking to them and they like a wave of relief walks like washes over them. And that to me, like just breaks my heart where I'm just like, damn, like, it's really rough. Like you have to like, and it just really made me question like, damn, like, I wonder what it's like just feeling like that all the time. Yeah. And I think Especially in the United States, how race works, I think we kind of confuse how race and ethnicity work, you know, because like here with your phenotype or skin type, that's what people go off immediately. But in other, you know, in other parts of the world, like it's different. Um, But I think colorism exists everywhere and then you know the history with latin america and the casta system well i want i don't want to say latin america but i want to specifically say me- uh, mexico and the casta system that kind of like you know the lighter you are the more uplifted you are but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not like latina or not latina enough i think a lot of the times people really you know and i've talked a lot about this with like other co-workers that you know or colleagues that were like they would tell me like, well, I'm not, I'm technically not really Latina because, you know, I'm half or whatever, but like, no, like you guys are like, even if you're half or white presenting, but in the United States, like, you know, white is not, it's not a bad word, you know, like I think a lot of the times like being Latino, like we're like, oh no, like we're not white. Like, no, like <laughs> I'm not, but it's okay. Yeah, like, girl, I get so like, no, I'm not o- white. Like, like I'm not <laughs> like you're white you know. <laughs> like it's okay like there's it's not I a know. bad word <laughs> not a bad word I don't know I think it's because I'm just so proud of being like I'm so proud of like me and my family like we're Salvadoran like you know I'm Central American and I I get it and I'm just like I shouldn't yeah. think that way either I get it but it's it's hard like, sometimes you know you get very like oh it's so hard because identity is such a personal thing so we're constantly trying to protect our identity and validate our identity and we nobody can tell you what you are but at the same time like both things could exist at the same time and I think what it is is like this nationalism that we have from our home countries that our parents come from like this happens like with Mexican people too or like oh we're like I'm Mexican but like for me I think it's a little different because like I'm visibly not white but sometimes I don't know like my I still have a proximity to whiteness though because of how light my skin is my hair texture and stuff like that but like I don't know it's just so interesting like in the United States like but that's also white supremacy like that whole erasure of our race and just focusing on nationality really makes us forget about everything else like class too is what white supremacy wants to do is be able to put you in a box like where do you fit let's put you in the box and if you don't fit then and that goes with gender too and so like this whole thing that we're seeing right now against our trans folks and the lgbt community is another another classification of like and this is all like what white supremacy does like and you know we don't see it because it's the United States. It was built on it, you know, like the insla- people enslaved, like I'm going too far deep that. 
into that stuff. But, like, <laughs> but it all it also impacts us. Colonization, slavery, all of it still impacts us today. And a lot of people, you know, that's why they want to get rid of all of these books in different parts of the the United States because they want to erase this history so we can't refer back to it and be like, hey, look, this already happened. Like, hey, look, like, we can't have this happen again. And, you know, that's what happens under fascism. It's like, first they get rid of the books and the education. And they want to fill it with guns. You right. Know? That's what we're seeing right, right. now. <laughs> no, I was like, and then you see the, the people going crazy for their fucking guns. Like, you can't take away my oh, guns. Dude. And it's like, yeah, you're taking away people's identities. Like, you're taking away so much and you're worried about a fucking gun like it makes wow no, and but that but that's the thing like they they it's like literally strategic and it and it comes like like they're strategizing like well like how can we do this and like it's religion and religion is like i mean you know it's a very touchy subject and you know people can practice whatever they want but at the same time we have to be able to really look back and to understand like what well how how do we how do we get here you know like how did how did we become catholic how did we become christian you know like was it for us really or was it for us to stay in line and to you know like yes. I always think about like catholicism because i was raised catholic but we weren't same. like I don't know. Like I wasn't like baptized or any of that stuff. Like I'm not, I'm like a fake Catholic. Like, <laughs> like, I'm not like, you know, some people like they went to communion, they did their first communion. They, they would go to church all the time. I didn't do none of that stuff. I did girl. I did. <laughs> and I mean, that's great. Like I'm, a lot of my cousins did too, you know, and like I would go to their parties and stuff like that. But like, that's, I, you know, thinking about like Catholicism and like, um, like purity culture and all that stuff it's really like it's really to keep people in line and that's like what I really was focusing like you know in gender studies like I it's it's very fascinating to me but one thing that I really when I was studying Chicano and Central American studies I always had a lens through gender because you know a lot of the times like the much that the machismo like I, and it's the patriarchy and, and people can be like oh well you know mexican men are this and that and whatever the the patriarchy is the patriarchy whether it's a mexican dude or an american dude or a mexican american dude like you know like i don't know like to me it's it's all going it's all like very similar sorry no i actually agree because i remember i was baptized and all that um but when i did my like my first communion i was about like 12 13 so i was definitely a lot older and i just remember having to go to these classes like on saturday and sundays and like i literally would get kicked out of class sometimes because <laughs> i would get too aggressive because i would ask questions i would be like so why are we blindly following this book if you know i was like there's evil that exists in the world that we can't ignore that evil exists or bad people exist so i'd be like so why would god like i was like yeah. again because it was all about dios y que dios y que dios and when I would ask these questions or like really just try to get my understanding of it, I'd be like, then why would we have suffering? Like, why would, you know, why would he want this for us? And their excuse would just be like, well, you just need to trust in God. And I'm like, what? No. Uh -oh. And 
I would get kicked out of class or like they would talk to my mom and just kind of be like, she's too aggressive or like, and I'm like, okay, first of all, aggressive, really? I'm 13 and you're a grown ass man who can't like, you can't even have a conversation with me without getting frustrated and kicking me out because you, you know, you probably deep down know I'm right at 13 years old. So yeah, dude, I, um, I, I very, very vaguely remember those classes, but I do remember like asking a lot of questions and never getting them answered. And then after, you know, like the priest was like, it's time for the kids to go, blah, blah, blah. And then my mom would be like, you know, do you guys want to go like me and my brother? And I'd be like, no, just because <laughs> we know it was just a bunch of BS. And I don't know. It, we just, we also didn't feel like we fit in because like, it was like, those kids were a little bit more Catholic than us. <laughs> we weren't, um, you know, I don't know. 100% so it, girl. It, it's, um, it's really, and I think there's like a funny phrase for it. I think they're, I think what we're called are cafeteria Catholics that we come for um, major holidays like Easter, Christmas, yeah, Friday, <laughs> and any other time we don't, we don't show up. Um, but, but I'm just like, we don't need to, I feel like I have my relationship with like the divine or God or whatever people want to call, call it now. I have my own yeah. relationship. Like I... I, I do my little prayers and like I'll talk to like I even told you like sometimes I feel like I'm talking to Eric or mm-hmm. I feel like I'm talking to my mom's boss who was like a grandfather to me like I was like I in my heart I know what I have yeah and it doesn't it shouldn't be like anyone's position to like judge me and it like took me back to a few years ago where you know I have a little cousin and I love him to death but like he straight up looked at me and was like do you not love God and I was like what like where is that coming from he's like well you have these tattoos and your piercings and do you not love God do you not love yourself and I literally was like how do I answer this question to this little boy without First of all, popping off and like second of all, like really explaining it to him like, you know, I do love God and I do love myself, but like my relationship with him is my own and like just how your relationship with him is your own, like I'm going to have my own and like he made and and again, like trying to not, you know, disrespect him or his parents or anything like that. So me really trying to like find the words to like just kind of be like, you know what, mijo, like we are going to have our own relationship with him. I... I hold him dearly in my heart, but like how I look and how I dress shouldn't affect how he sees me if he created us all in his image and like Mm -hmm. really just trying to like kind of be like, you can't be judgy, bro. Like, come on. That's like literally like the center of religion. Judge. Judgment day. Yes. We're going to judge you to make sure that you can come into these pearly gates. And if not, throw you down. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, I just, I don't know. I'm very. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I feel like people don't believe that I respect religion, and I, I honestly, I, I don't. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I'm, I, I just, I can't. Like, especially with the hate that it spews. Like, I don't know. Like, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around that and to, and to see like, oh yeah, well, people do love other people, but wait, how, how is that possible? If, I don't know. It's a really big comment to say, like controversial. But at the same time, like, you know, again, like if people can practice whatever they want to, it's just that 
the judgment and especially like the idea of abortion and you know a lot of a lot of Catholics believe that abortion is bad and I I just can't stand behind that I think abortion at any time for any reason for whatever I don't if you want it go get it you know what I'm saying like I don't believe like like you know, when people are like, well, oh, of course, yeah, it's okay if like their life is in danger. Well, no, like for any reason. And to me, that shows like the real hate like towards like anybody that's not like a man. Like there's so many rules for everybody else, like the LGBTQ community. Like if you're even associated with that, you can't be religious, even though there are, are a lot of congregations that are starting to build their own like worship community around that you know and that's really important because people do still want to stay religious it's just that for me personally I it's a touchy subject because it's like I don't know like I really feel strongly about protecting the LGBTQ community and women that want to have abortions and any anything like anything that that is historically marginalized, like I have such a strong like sense of advocacy for them. 100%. And it's so funny because I actually have, I actually touched on this. I did a episode called Hija por Dios. Yes. Where I, I talked about, episode. yeah. And I remember just like talking about, I have like an aunt, like she's my mom's like stepsister and she's like a pastor, dude. And like, mm. when I tell you, I could just feel the judgment and like the comments made to me like, oh my gosh, I didn't recognize you because um I didn't see your tattoos on you. And I was like, girl, I haven't seen you since I was like nine. What do you, how do you know I have tattoos? Tattoos, first of all, Yikes. second of all. <laughs> so it was just very like it gets very eye opening there where you're just kind of like, wow, this is really and and it's funny because at work I we like to do um like daily check ins with each other. We're like, how are you feeling today? What's your number? Nice. Um, what's a like a and we always think of um a very mindful question to ask everyone every day because we're all about wellness. And someone wrote like, what are you? Oh, I think it was me. I wrote, what are you grateful for? And I straight up was just like, I'm grateful for growth and having like a growth mindset. Mm, Because after talking with like my coworker, she was like, not everyone has that. Not everyone has a growth mindset. And Mm. so I was just like, you're completely right. And I'm grateful that I have that because I girl, yeah, same like you where you said like if 21-year-old me could see me now, I would never have these thoughts at 21. Mm-hmm. And I look back on my life too where I'm like, oh my gosh, I would have never thought I would be here right now. Yes. Like even doing this podcast, like again, I was just like, I'm grateful for growth and growth mindset. And, you know, it really, it's really changed my life. And I guess like looking at things differently now, especially losing people in my life mm-hmm. where it's just like, there's so much more than just you know what I mean does this make sense absolutely absolutely and you know as soon as you said like the part about like losing people it it really puts it into perspective and it's like a really bittersweet feeling because grief is something that society does not talk about and we always talk about new beginnings and birth but we're never talking about the ending death And I think that's why our society has such a hard time of coping. And and I and I recently learned that it's not we don't grieve just like people's death. Like 
we grieve like stages in our life we grieve missed opportunities relationships we wish we would have had with our family or friends like grief comes in so many different like entities I guess for lack of better words and we just never talk about it and I think that's why it's so hard to cope and to to accept because then we kind of see like what does life have for us you know but we don't know and I think a lot of the times that I think even the pandemic brought this to life uh, or to light is that idea of like prediction like we're like oh well I already know what we're like and it's not prediction, actually. What I mean is like comfort and routine. We have this thing we're doing all the time and it feels like we know exactly what's going to happen like five hours from now. But I feel like the pandemic taught me like, well, everything is uncertain. We're like, you know, people are talking about like unprecedented times, but like literally every moment of our lives is unprecedented. Like we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, and so I think there's this like this facade that we put on to be able to like move on. And and I did it because like I was constantly in the need of wanting to be busy. Like, I mean, pre-pandemic, I I would work, I would go to school, I would go have dinner with my family, go to the grocery store and then go visit my friend all in one fucking day. Now I can't even go to the grocery store they're feeling exhausted I don't know like I guess you know grief and depression and all this stuff like mental health like it starts to catch up with you and then you know this is like if I have any advice to give to anybody as soon as you feel that you feel like you need help go get it like I just don't know that I want this you know like don't stay there like suffering in silence like and I'm a big like I was like really like on that movement for a while, even pre-pandemic. Like something that Gloria Zadua said in uh, one of her essays, talking about like the tradition of silence and how a lot of the times, like you know, we have this constant need to be secretive. Like this is my interpretation interpretation of the tradition of silence. It's like like keeping it to ourselves because of like whatever ojo or whatever different like superstitions we have or even of we're so scared of judgment but you know i i'm not going to quote this exactly but then i think about what audrey lord says and she's like your silence won't save you you know and so it's like we have to say what's like any anything like advocating for ourselves speaking up for ourselves I don't like saying speaking up for ourselves because it sounds so condescending <laughs> like when people are like speak up for yourself it's like gosh like no let's, yeah let's okay a, hold on don't yell at me <laughs> yeah, it's like, let's think of a different phrase you know um so I, I would say like advocating for yourself it's really exhausting but just keep on doing it like you know I, I hit a I hit a wall uh in March where I, I just couldn't do it I was like exhausted and I think it was because I didn't deal with my grief like I should have I kept on going I kept on going and then I got a dog thinking that she was gonna help me and then she died <laughs> And so then it's like, and I'm laughing right now, but like, cause I could laugh about it now, but like, I, I use humor to cope too, you know? Oh, same. And so <laughs> I, I really feel like people think that it's like really like not good, but it helps me. I think laughing helps and making light of the subject and understanding that it is very serious. Absolutely. And I've cried and felt really like shitty, but I'm finally at a place 
maybe right now because that could change tomorrow. <laughs> right. No, 100%. 100%. Grief is linear. Feelings are, you know, yeah. they hit you the most random of times. Like, this like, is the human experience, you know? Yes. And like, you know, don't stay silent. Your silence will not save you. I want to talk about like the imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and how you mentioned that it's not really imposter syndrome. It's really like microaggressions we feel. But I have a listener who he feels like he's an imposter in his own family. Mm. And I was so intrigued by that because I was like, what do you mean? And he feels that he's not really being his true authentic self. Like he's he has a lot of like personal things going on where he's just not really ready to share with his family. And I think that is like already one eating away at him. And he just kept saying like, I feel like an imposter within my family. And that really broke my heart one. But like also it's just kind of like, I wanted to touch on the subject where it's like you say we feel like microaggressions from people that make us feel like we don't belong. Mm -hmm. So do you think maybe he's feeling these microaggressions within his family? Like, is that something that can happen within your family with imposter syndrome? I I think so. I think you can feel microaggressions from within your family and extended family, especially if um, I don't know their ethnic background, but like in a lot of um, Latino households, we don't look Latino. Okay, yeah, like all like we literally have every skin tone and hair texture and like like and so there's this color like colorism comes to mind where like you know the lighter you are the more praised you are <laughs> and they're like oh my god look at her blue eyes and like you know and then there's the brown baby and they're just kind of like oh hey baby <laughs> you know like uh, <laughs> like um but you know I mean I don't that's could be one scenario but I think a lot of the times I I recently learned um that like you know especially within families and friends we all have masks that we put on and we all have you know like masking like being like putting on like um like a happier face when maybe we're not feeling so 100% or um, what's the other thing but yeah i'm gonna stick with the masking thing um yeah like, oh and then per- the performance thing i recently learned like we all like life is a stage we are performing all the time and depending on who is there we're gonna have different performances and different relationships and so like my relationship or our relationships with our cousins are not the same relationship we have with our aunts versus our uncles versus our neighbor. Like we all put on like different hats at the same time. And I think a lot of the times is it's because we're afraid of judgment. And I can relate a hundred percent to that because a lot of the times I feel like I have to put on a show, like not a show, but like be very like talkative and happy and like peppy, kind of like my customer service voice, like who I was and cut like putting on like just like snap of the finger and like hey like let's you know blah 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 you know and then when I go over to my family's house and this is my immediate family like my mom my dad my brother my aunt that lives with them um they're like immediately like what's wrong what's wrong is everything okay and so I had to be like honest with them and be like and then this is after a while like of suffering in silence (laughs) to be like actually like I'm depressed and I can't put on this show like I have in the past and I just don't feel 100% right now because of XYZ, you know? And 
you know, talking about mental health in a Latino household is kind of a... It's like, girl, why are you depressed? You have a roof over your head and you have food in your mouth. Why are you depressed? And you're like, oh, my God. See, for, for for me, it was um, it was the uh, opposite. It was like, well, let's pray. Let's, let's you know, um, and I get it. Like, that helps them. And, you know... But that did not help me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about this with someone else and it was my it's like my sister's friend. And mm. she was like, I don't know, like they're all very young. Ron. I recently just started a relationship with my siblings and it's so weird for me because I'm the older sibling now. Oh. Like they come to me and I grew up the baby girl. So having them come to me, right? it's so different. I'm like, oh my God, I am the older sibling that they're going to come to for advice or like, like they want to hear me out. And so hearing her talk about that and having her say like, you know, he's not living the life he wants to live and he feels like an imposter in his family. I, you know, had to like really sit and like kind of collect together like I don't like it's not like saying the right thing, but it's just right. kind of like, well, he needs to, you know, really overcome his fears because it sounds like he's in fear of being himself to his family yeah. and him suppressing that like it's just going to lead to a life of resentment later on. Right. It's probably not going to be right now, but like he'll later resent his family for not being able to be himself or like do the job that he wants to do right. because I've talked about it before, too, where like there's weaponized stories told to us like oh well I didn't have an education and I didn't get to do this and you know I didn't get to do that or whatever the hell and it becomes weaponized where you're just kind of like well I have to go to school and study this because my mom didn't get the chance right. to or things like that so I was just very like wow okay like again I was like it like the imposter syndrome in your family. I was like, and I kind of, I agree with what you said. It's like, it's more of a performance. Like you're doing a performance and the moment you show your true authentic self where you're like, hey, I'm actually not okay right now. Or hey, like this is actually how I'm feeling. It's yeah. just kind of like, well, let's pray or why you shouldn't because you have X, Y, and Z. It really kind of like, yes, question. it had me question like the imposter syndrome, like not only in public where you go to like, like you go, you're a student and when you're at school, I'm sure you there's when you first maybe got there, I don't know if you've ever felt like, oh my gosh, like I'm really here. Like I don't belong here or I, you yes. know what I mean? I had those moments a lot and it wasn't more of like, I don't belong here is, oh my God, I'm here. And why didn't other people from my neighborhood make it here too? You know, like I grew right. up in West LA. UCLA is in my backyard. Like I would go to Westwood when I was in middle school and hang out and like, you know, just walk around. And then, you know, it that was transferring wasn't on my radar until I was in my mid 20s. Probably it was probably around 25, maybe a little bit after that. When I had, I took an ethnic studies course and the professor, his name was Jaime Cruz. Jaime Cruz. He was amazing. A lot of people didn't like him, but I thought he was a great professor. He really was like super real. And, but anyway, like I just, where I did feel like an imposter, not an imposter, but like almost felt like I shouldn't be talking, but I really wanted to talk was in the fashion courses. Like I was like, I became really close with some of my fashion professors and they would invite me to these like talks and stuff like that. And then the Q and A would come up and I would ask a question and it would push buttons and the fucking room would just 
silence. And I remember after one question, this lady was talking about how she didn't like the interns or something because they didn't have a good work ethic or some shit like that. And, you know, as me, a working class student that was working at the same time as going in school, I was like, what the fuck? Who are you hiring? Who are you hiring on? Who are you bringing on to these teams as an intern? Do they have experience? Like, what is it, you know? And so I asked, I was like, well, if you're, you know, like, who are you hiring? Um, are we hiring like working class people or some something to that nature, you know? And it just became this kind of like back and forth. And I looked combative. Like I looked like I was stirring the pot, but really I was just like genuinely wanting to like, and I wasn't afraid to ask that question until the room got quiet. And then, you know, we're mingling, everything is done. Another question happens. And then the lady comes up and she's like, oh, I hope I didn't offend you. And I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like literally, why would you offend me? Like, I think you're offended. You know, like, and so that right. was, that was the moment when I was like, that and a couple other moments where I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, like, I don't want to be here. And there's some people that after they have moments like that, they're like, oh no, like, I love it. Like I could, I could work through it or whatever. I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to change things around here. And, you know, but Audrey Lord also said the master's tools won't dismantle the master's house. So it's like, meaning like you can't use the tools that were brought up for white supremacy to try to like change it from the inside because those foundations are so fucking strong. We have to not bring it to a table, but we would literally like have to build our own table, you know, like this whole like, oh, sit at the table. But like inclusion is no, no diversity is nothing without inclusion. And they're just buzzwords that people throw around and there's no action behind it. Um, and so that's when I realized like, okay, I want to go into something different. And I thought like, oh, maybe I can make a change with fashion in the community. And so I remember doing this event where I partnered with we had this like career closet we had like suits and ties and stuff like that like and then we, I partnered with career the career center to do like you know career coaching and how to do an interview then you know after the fact of you know years later I looked back at that event and I was like holy shit I was perpetuating respectability politics I was literally like saying here put a tie on so they'll take you seriously. No, they should still be able to take you seriously with that pro club. You know what I'm saying? Like it, mm. nothing about everything in your credentials that are like so perfect. Like, you know, why should you putting on a fucking tie? Like, you know, like make your credentials look even better. They should take you seriously from the jump, you know? And so that's when I realized those spaces, I was just kind of like falling into these like stereotypes and I was internalizing them too. And so like, it's funny because like... I always was out. I'm always like very outspoken. Like I'll ask questions. Sometimes like I've been in classes where I'm sometimes like the only person asking questions. But I think that comes with age. Like I think because of my age, like I was older than 25. I had more confidence, perhaps. I think that's where that came from. Because like, you know, I remember being in my early 20s trying to get going back into school and it was like a yo-yo thing I would go take one class I would be working 40 hours a week like it wasn't it wasn't productive yeah I think the these these ideas of like microaggressions and like uh, imposter syndrome I think they change like over time especially like as you age and like but I think it also takes like how you were talking about earlier with the growth mindset it's so important to have growth mindset 
Because if you're so with that, with a fixed mindset, we're going to always be like, well, that's not how it was. And it's this way. And it's like, well, who said it? Like, who made those rules? You know? And a lot of the times I caught myself like having those rules within myself. Like, I was like, why? What am I doing? Like, I'm literally putting up all these barriers. And do you think within like growth mindset, like growth mindset and like people that have like a fixed mindset, like, do you think that's why some people like, I don't want to say we, we said like older millennials, but like, do you think that's why like some millennials, when they see Gen Z, they're just like, oh God. And it's just like, you need to have growth mindset. Like they advocate for themselves. They, you know, aren't afraid to like speak their truth and say, hey, actually that affects me. I don't want to do that. Like, mm, why would I want to kill myself 40 hours a week? And like, 100%. I'm going to speak out on it versus millennials, you know, being raised by like what? Je- um boomers mostly uh, it depends gen I know X? Some, some some i know some gen, uh, millennials that have gen x parents my parents i think in the united states they would be considered boomers but they weren't born here so i don't consider yeah them, they weren't i don't consider them boomers because they weren't born here they weren't born here <laughs> yeah. and so i feel like yeah like you know they're raised a certain way it's like oh keep quiet you suffer in silence you have mm. a job that's paying your bills like i remember you know when i was at my last my last leg at Lush, girl. My last leg at Lush, I just couldn't do it anymore. I, I was feeling. so jaded. I was just so like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. And having my mom, you know, support. I think I even spoke about this on a different episode. Where I was like, my mom was really su- surprisingly supportive. And it was more my brother who was like, oh, I remember that. You need a hustle. You need a, you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yo, what? Like, I'm at my I'm at my limit bestie and like I'm not gonna do this like I'm too young to like feel this tired yeah. and is so your brother like a millennial he is oh, okay. he is 1990 okay I think that's how like me and Eric kind of bonded to it I'd be like oh you're my brother's age like you're my brother's age oh my god so yeah but like having my brother be like that and look okay like not to compare them but like Eric was very much like mental health take care of yourself blah 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 my brother's like, you need to hustle, work three jobs. You got to do what you got to do. And I'm like, whoa, you know, night and day. Yeah. I, you know, I think it just depends because I still see that hustle, hustle, hustle culture like pop up here and there. Like, you know, and I think it's because of this aspirational wealth that people have. People really see themselves more closer to a millionaire than clo- than than closer to somebody that's unhoused. And it's unfortunate to say that we are more likely to like most of us are three paychecks away from a tragedy from being unhoused. And actually, you know, that happened to me and my family in 2016. I'm going to be honest. Like in 2016, we were evicted. We had to like, I had to move into my boyfriend's house. We, um, they had to, they were living in a motel for like a week and they, you know, it was crazy. I remember this. It was, it was one of the worst, like, and then, and then it was like, it was like literally right after one of my friends passed away and like, it was crazy. It was one of the, uh, what is it, they call it? The Saturn return of Saturn or Saturn return or whatever. Like, I I think, I think I was going through that shit or something like that. Cause I don't know, (laughs) everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, but thank goodness, you know, I mean, things worked out. I mean, things you know, still shit still fucking sucks because, you know, rent is so high, the gentrification, you know, we're constant. And this is like nothing like, and I think 2020 really pushed it 
like to its boiling point but like people were already struggling before you know the pandemic and you know these stimulus checks and uh these rent help thing like they helped a little bit but you know a lot of the t- a lot of people were you know fell through the cracks and stuff like that and it's just very unfortunate because a lot of the times you know people really look down on others like oh well you know it's like those um pull yourself up by the bootstraps type folks that are like oh no you you can't collect um no help from the government you got to get back up on blah 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 and it's like that's like assimilation like that's kind of like this like american facade that we have that people are like oh well i worked hard but no you have generational wealth and that's why you're able to work like you know follow your dreams because you know i don't know i just i think that if you have a lot of the times like especially you know going to a pwi uh, predominantly white institute and growing up in an area where it was diverse like I had a lot of Latino friends Palms and Culver City is so diverse like I never felt like I remember talking to other um, like folks that went to you know that came here from maybe like uh, up north or something like that and they they feel like such a culture shock because they're like well I've never been in a space that was so diverse like this and that's like literally how I grew up and so I'm very privileged to be able to experience so many different cultures and ethnicities in elementary and middle school and high school. When I was in high school, I was actually bused. I took the bus to school. I went to a predominantly white school. I went to the Palisades and it was the type of school where all the dive I don't want to say all most of the diversity was bust in dude um you actually that my a lot of my close friends that were Latino at I went to Hamilton High School they were bust in from other parts of LA yeah so I, I was you know bust in and like you see these things where you know you see the differences within schools like I live really close to Crenshaw High School so like you know walking walking down Crenshaw High to go home and then comparing that school with like these gates and you know that go way high so kids won't get out versus me going to the Palisades where there was literally no gates like you could literally just walk out it was definitely like a shock to me and so like kind of going through that and then like again I'm from here too so like putting schools that I've been to on my resume having them be like oh wow like you went to the Palisades you're just kind of like yeah you know like again those microaggressions that definitely make you feel like oh my gosh maybe I don't belong here like you know I totally know what you mean because like you know even like at SMC or at UCLA like I would talk about like where my neighborhood was and they wouldn't I think a lot of the times it wasn't that wasn't expected I don't know like I remember like in the Palms area there was this little Garneseria that was called Palms Market and it was on Motor and Palms and I mean, it was like right next to the elementary school that I went to and like you'd go and it was just like a place that, you know, my dad would go and he knew knows everybody, made friends with people and we'd go. It was just like it was a nice little neighborhood spot. It's apartments now and these huge giant apartments that overlook a school. Why would they do that? Why would they build a towering thing? over and then that that little area is like where the kindergartners are and stuff like that it's so weird to me like why would they do that now down overland's going to in between palms and overland and overland and venice i mean everything is going to be a little condo 
Like it's nothing. And you know, right now I'm looking for housing, like outside of student housing is crazy. Like, I don't even know how, like, I don't want to leave this neighborhood. I love it. But maybe I might. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I've always loved that area. So I grew up in South LA. I grew up like near Slauson and Crenshaw. So like, that's actually really funny when I when I tell people too that I don't know I've always gotten like you don't live in Santa Monica like I thought you lived in Santa Monica and I'm like what the fuck do I give off that I live in Santa Monica like okay go off sis I guess (laughs) but yeah I grew up in South LA and you know born and raised it's crazy to see the changes happening like some changes are good you know like some changes are great but then there's the other changes where you're like oh my god like we're all being pushed out like we can't afford anything here and like recently there's a house that's like near where I live that was for rent or something like that and my brother looked into it and he's like oh it's like it's going for like some crazy amount yeah it's like half a million dollars or something like that and I'm like in South LA like and my mom what's crazy is like when my mom got divorced you know she unfortunately lost the house that she had with my dad and we literally moved a block away so we're a block away from like the home she had with my father Mm -hmm. and she straight up tells me like oh we bought that home for like I think a hundred and twenty thousand dollars and these homes now around girl are going for like a million yeah and i'm literally like shocked and it's crazy because i'm like i'm i feel like i'm definitely being pushed out of like my home yeah you you know know, absolutely and it really it pisses me off because then i start like i i'm i had the unfortunate task of having to deal with my parents landlord and you know some of the things that come out of this dude's mouth and it's like, oh, well, you know, you guys could just move a little further. And it's like, no, we don't want to move further in L.A. We've been here since the 80s. Why should we have to go? And that's a thi- another thing where it's like people talk about a lot of shit about the West Side and how it's like predominantly white. And I get it. It is. But there's a reason Santa Monica and Venice were a, a working class neighborhoods in the 80s and the 90s and so uh, I learned this my one of my professors he does a lot of work with gentrification and what he did this project where he would go on walks through the Santa Monica neighborhoods and talk about the landmarks that were there prior to gentrification and pushing out working class families. And a lot of the times it was targeted through like gang affiliation and just association. And so, you know, these families, they would have, you know, sons or daughters that would be associated to whatever. And maybe they're not associated. Maybe it was just just because they were targeted and stereotyped and pushed out and criminalized. And, you know, for every little thing that they did, you know, that would be like an infraction and then they would get evicted. That kind of history isn't talked about at all. I mean, I'm very grateful to have learned that because of, you know, the class that I took and because the professor was so passionate about that subject. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known shit about that stuff because nobody talks about that stuff and working class history is often shoved to the side historically we're pushed to the margin 100% and I feel like that kind of like not to say that like I hate people that like move here from different states I don't like it's not but I think that like some of these people like move here and like they can you know good for them that they can afford the rents that are being fucking asked 
of them and they're being able to pay it and you know they're being you know but it sucks because it's like pushing us out and like it definitely gentrifies the area so like I don't know if you remember the whole like spa water debacle and the whole like someone calling East Los Angeles like east side of LA like they were like oh the east side and people were like it's called east LA or like saying that about Los Feliz and I think it was like Silver Lake they were like Mm -hmm. oh the east side and they were like no like it was really crazy and then like having people make maps of LA and like comparing it to New York and being like oh this side is like considered Manhattan this side's considered this I'm literally like what are you doing like you're literally I literally I'm like this feels fucking wrong and it's crazy because then you go to these areas like I have a friend who went to Silver Lake with her husband I don't know how long ago and she's like we went for coffee and she was like I'll I'll just tell you this she's like we haven't been back to Silver Lake since and I was like damn you know like that sucks I loved going to Silver Lake growing up and now it's like you feel uncomfortable being there you I trust me girl and I work near Westwood as well and Mm. I loved going to that area and I'm really grateful for to my aunt because you know, asking her, like, looking back on my childhood, I had aunts who literally, like, every weekend girl with my mom, they would take us to Santa Monica. They would take us to the beach. They would take, like, the valley. Like, we literally... I grew up going everywhere and I'm also the type of person that loves trying new shit now Mm -hmm. because of them. Like I will go eat Indian food. I will go, you know, eat sushi. And like, and when I ask them why they're from South Central LA too, they grew up on 51st and Figueroa and they were just like, we didn't have these experiences until our twenties. And I want you to know your own city so that way you don't just feel confined like, oh, I'm from South Central LA. Like, this is all I'm yeah. going to know. And they were like, no, like, this is our city. You belong everywhere. Like, get to, like, it was it was so beautiful because I'm like, damn, like, I talk to other people now, even my siblings, girl, like, who live in Palmdale. And they tell me like, oh, I've never been here or I've never tried that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, wow, well, you're going to try it now. You're going to do it yeah. now. Like, I we're going to do this, you know. And I think but a it's lot crazy of time, to me. Yeah, it's, it's so true because I'm makes me think of like like cousins and stuff like that I remember like I'm not really close with them as we're older but when we were younger like I remember them I think they grew up in that kind of in South Central and we were my family was like the only family that moved to the west side I don't I can't remember why I don't remember I think it was like they I think my parents were like well if I can't live close to my family then you can't live close to your family so then they decided to find a neutral spot or something like that I don't think there was any rhyme or reason because my mom Mm -hmm. grew up um she came here when she was like 14 like they lived in Watts and then they moved to Pico Rivera and that's where in like Montebello area that's where she was and my dad was from South Central that's where he immigrated to he when he came to the United States he was in downtown and then he lived in I don't know if it's South Central. I just remember the street. He lived on Sycamore Avenue for a really long time. And I'm not sure, to be honest, um, if that's in South Central. Because I'm going to be honest, I never really spent a lot of time in those areas because we lived on the west side. So a lot of the times we would stay in Culver City or Mar Vista. But we would go back and visit our family and stuff like that and go to the beach and camping a lot. I grew up camping too. My dad, like when I still had a relationship with him, he would take Mm -hmm. like me and my brother camping and we'd be 
like, okay, so like now as adults, we're like, remember when we used to go camping? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. It's so crazy. <laughs> like I remember going camping um, with a group of friends like in my early 20s and not one person who had to fucking put up a tent. Bitch, I was over <laughs> there. I was like, y'all don't know how to put up a tent? Like, come on. I was like leading them and I did the, I put up the tent for them. I'm a survivalist. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's interesting because like they want us to experience all these things. And I feel so grateful because like my mom is one of those women that's like very like quiet like soft-spoken I hate using the word soft-spoken but she's just kind of those women that's like very like I don't I don't want to say timid but amiable amiable maybe I don't know I'm not sure how to explain it but yeah she's just a very quiet like I'm like complete opposite of my mother like I'm just like you know she's just (laughs) but she supports I'm literally like I was raised by one of those (laughs) my mom is all over the place girl she's a leo so (laughs) my mom's an aquarius (laughs) okay yeah and so she's like very quiet but yeah um but yeah and so i just love that she's just like so supportive of me like anything that you know anything like she's like well if you want to do that you can do it i know that you can do it and but these are things that she wouldn't go for herself and it's just so interesting how And, you know, not everybody has this, like, type of relationship with their mothers. And I feel super privileged and grateful um, to have that. Um, But, like, to think, it just makes me so emotional thinking about, like, how they never, well, my mom never really, I don't know, she didn't try to, like, put herself out there, at least from what I see. But she's always constantly encouraging me to do that stuff. Like, I'm telling her, like, just uh, different ideas of what I want to do and she's like or I I, even ha- I remember one specific moment I was like sad I was like I don't know what I where to start I don't know wh- what I want to do but I do know that I don't want to work a nine-to-five and she's like well that's a start you already know what you don't want to do and I was like wow thank you <laughs> you know like it's crazy like, that's great advice right? yeah yeah and she's so, like at least you you know what you don't want and yeah. that's already your start yeah and so like you know it makes me think like a lot of the times our parents that come here from other places they sacrifice so much and they you know they think about it in this like monetary thing like oh like for my mom's specifically she's always like no I wish I had you know this kind of money so I can give it to you blah 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 and all this stuff and you know, and those and then these these phrases come out during the graduation season where they're like, our parents came here with nothing to give us everything. But I don't believe that. I believe that our parents come with so much knowledge and just different things that aren't monetary, right? You know, a lot of the times like our we're always like thinking about it in like the money kind of thing like oh yeah very material yes exactly the material aspects of our parents is what we're always highlighting during graduation season and I just don't like as soon as I learned that I was like wow like no my my parents gave me integrity they gave me a really good work about work ethic they helped preserve my language and culture like and I'm not saying that like there's some people that don't preserve it it's just like you know, depending on the history of when you immigrated here, you know, speaking Spanish, it's not a good thing in the United States. And so a lot of a lot of parents protected their children from experiencing the same violence 
frankly, uh, that they experienced. And so they didn't want them to have an accent. They didn't want any of that stuff for them. So that's why they focus so much on English as a first language, like like going back to the imposter syndrome, like having those kind of mindset from my mom and stuff like that really like it was outside forces that were the ones that were impacting my self-esteem like not not my parents but like teachers or like classmate or something I remember when I was a department manager and I was I worked for a kids wear department it was kids wear girls and it was like right near the, the juniors department at the time like they started selling I guess the bamboo earrings were popular and they were selling them in Nordstrom, which that rarely happens, you know, like they're usually, you know, they're they're frowned upon by the dominant culture. So um, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and so um, I literally, I bought, you know, I bought a pair, and um, and I remember overhearing that regional manager talking shit about people that wear gold hoop earrings. Like she was like saying, like, oh, it's like ghetto, and something like that. And like I literally, like, I don't know, I don't know why, you know just internalize that shit and you just you don't realize like how a comment like that can impact you but then I remember for the longest time I did not wear hoop earrings I didn't wear hoop earrings because I was like oh no I need to fit into this like mold of what working in fashion or in retail looks like I need to be respected or whatever some fucking bs that I was like believing you know Yeah, I 100% relate to that because I that was me with gold. Mm. It wasn't with like hoops or anything like that. I always wore hoops. I didn't give a fuck. I was very much like the bigger the hoop, the bigger the hoe. Don't care. But it was always like silver. I had to wear silver. My I had a quinceanera and like I didn't want the quinceanera ring in gold. I didn't want the nameplate. I didn't. I was like, no. I I don't know what I I definitely like internalized something there I maybe being told it was ghetto or whatever the hell but I just remember being like so not about gold I was like no silver only silver silver whatever the years go by and I started wearing little pieces of gold here and there and you know really embracing the fact the history with like the nameplate and like the the anillos de las quinceañeras and like me being like no it's beautiful it's part of like being latino latina and like it's fucking jewelry like it shouldn't be like oh that's ghetto or we're gonna you know uh, only black and brown girls wear gold and like now that it's part of like the clean girl aesthetic it's mm. okay and it's just kind of like this I yeah I yeah, totally yeah totally <laughs> I mean, actually that's what inspired some of the research that I started doing I didn't finish it because I I'm it's a work in progress actually because I don't want to let um life get in the way like stop a project you know it's just a pause but the my research started um, because I wanted to really understand like what like how people internalize this stuff like and I wanted to do uh, like interviews and kind of see like how women like internalize it when they see it on like through pop culture because of like the whole clean girls that that was literally like what sparked this thing because I was like you know, not just the hoop earrings, but like any other kind of aesthetic that comes with that, you know, even tattoos, you know, like I, like my parents were like, I don't want you to be like, compare, I don't want you to be mistaken for a gang member. And I was like, what? 
what, yeah. where are you getting these things from? Like, and you know, like, and so that comes from, I'm going to say it again. It comes from white supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> and- it was shoved down our throats for years, girl. So I understand that. I mean, like just how you said, like wearing a suit versus wearing the pro club in my head, I was thinking like, and tattoos, like tattoos. I remember growing up, it was like, you will never get a job if you have a tattoo, mm-hmm. a visible tattoo. I had yes. an aunt who had finger tattoos or a, a hand tattoo, like a small little hand tattoo. She almost didn't get a job because they were like, mm. and she's like, I can remove it. So she got like a cigarette and just like burned it off because wow. she was like, I needed the job. Ouch. And yeah, I was like, okay, that was hardcore. Yes. Yeah, and hardcore. very cool. And that was just so like interesting to me. Like growing up, it was like, you will never have a tattoo, like, especially my mom. And I just remember my little photo bucket being full of tattoos and like me drawing on my hands. And like, I always knew I wanted tattoos. And finally, something shifted where tattoos started becoming more acceptable. And now if you don't have a tattoo, you're looked at as like, oh my gosh, you don't have a tattoo? Like everyone has a tattoo. So it's like, there's, there's changes happening. And again, I want to say it's, it's Gen Z, like they're calling shit out. They're like, how is me having a tattoo going to affect my work? And it's just like, exactly. yeah, exactly, exactly. And it ties into like, same with like, where we talk about those stories of like, my mom came with nothing and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, she taught me work ethic. She taught me so much more than just like, she, t- she actually taught me like life skills yeah. that and- I use for my day to day. Yes. And a lot of the times they don't realize they're speaking for my mom I don't think she ever realized she was a feminist and feminism gets a really bad rep but I also want to make sure that we're talking like I want to like so people know like I'm talking about intersectional feminism intersectional feminism not like the feminine like the white feminism that's like focused on one thing like no we like when I think about the feminism that I center is looking at how different your identities, your class, your race, like everything impacts you. And, you know, a lot of the times, like, I remember in a women's studies class, we were talking about like the first wave feminism and how like women were like, finally getting out into the workforce. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, Working class women, black and brown women have always been in the workforce actually um so what are you talking about here uh so that's a lot of that's you know i always like make sure like so feminine i remember working at lush and somebody that i were i forgot her name but anyway some chick was like oh yeah i'm not a feminism and it was or i'm not i'm not a feminist because of xyz and it was like that kind of a negative thing where like uh, man hating kind of like that kind of idea of feminism. I was like, oh, my goodness, uh, I'm not going to continue this conversation because it will not go anywhere. <laughs> OK. Yeah, it was, really weird. it was really weird. But There was an experience I had at Lush, too, where it was definitely like I was uncomfortable with this girl because I was a, it was roughly around Thanksgiving time. It was when I was getting ready to open up the flagship store here in Los Angeles. And I was supporting a different store because my store wasn't open yet. And I just remember this girl. I I can't remember her name. I don't want to say her name, but I think she was named after one of one of the presidents that, you know, that's just already. You already know who it is. You already know who it is. Oh, my God. And I just remember her asking me like what my Thanksgiving plans were. And 
you know, me telling her like, oh, I'm going to, you know, we're going to eat turkey and like we actually deep fry turkey and it's actually Mm. really good. And like, but I remember her being like, well, like you and your family, like, you know, what what do you people do? You people. What do you people do? (laughs) Bitch, I was like. Well, we eat turkey and <laughs> um, mashed potatoes, just like you. Like, okay, hello? so you have to hear this. Oh, my God. <laughs> my heart is racing because that shit boils You remember who it was, bitch? You were like, I know who this is. But, girl, guess what? That same girl, I was clocking out <laughs> in the back room, and I don't think she knew that I was back there. And so uh, this was at Santa Monica location. There's a little, little cafe called Bellagio. It's a little Italian. Oh, my God. I remember Bellagio. And she's like, oh, yeah. Is that Italian place any good? It's just a bunch of Mexicans back there. I remember that. I remember that. I I don't know what got into me, but I just couldn't say anything. But I did. I did remember it. Instead of saying something, I asked a lot of questions. I was just like, "Well, how do you know they're all Mexicans? And how do you, you know, like the the calm the calm wave hit you where you were like, let me question this bitch.' You know why the calm wave hit me? Because I at that time I realized my appearance comes off as aggressive, so I can't be that person she is because then I'm the one that's in trouble. That I'm the one that's gonna be like, oh, she and you know, and like that could be me like falling into respectability politics and falling into this like stereotype thing. But you know, I you know. It took me a really, really long time to understand, like, why people would, you know, I remember working at Nordstrom, people were like, wow, you're so nice. Like, when I first met you and, you know, you first came in, like, you looked so mean. And I'm like, what about me looks mean? Girl, the way I went through that, too, especially at Lush. And it's crazy that I didn't even get promotions. Girl, I didn't get promotions. Why? Oh, because you just don't look approachable. You don't you 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 don't smile when you walk in. And I'm like, girl, what? I'm like, tell me, is it the hoops? Is it what is it? Because let's be yeah. real. Like, I'm cool. Dude, I'm absolutely like yeah. and this this followed me, you know, like to school. Like in fa- in the fashion program that I was in, I was in I was like trying to do extracurriculars, trying to get out there and there was like this fashion club that I was in and I don't know what happened but this girl was like she didn't like me and she was like oh well like you talk over everybody and this and that I was like hey maybe I interrupt you because I have ADHD or something like that and I kind of tend to do that and I, I literally told her I was like oh my god like I'm so sorry I don't even notice when I do that like please let me know and I said something to the to the you know I'm very transparent about my mental health and I'm like oh yeah you know sometimes I have anxiety and she straight up looked at me and she's like well you don't look like you have anxiety and I was like and this was not like and like we were alone like it was me her and this other girl and like and I was like oh no no I can't continue this conversation because it's gonna get it's gonna escalate and she's a white blonde girl and it's not gonna look good for me so I, you know, I like, you know, I wanted to say a lot of things and I just instead I got up and walked away and I told the professor yeah. like what happened. And even the professor had the audacity to tell me, well, you know what? 
just keep doing you. One day she's going to be serving you coffee. I was like, what the fuck, bitch? Fuck you. My family is working class. Who cares if she's serving me fucking coffee? And that's when I knew, girl, that I couldn't go into the fashion industry because it's just this whole kind of thing of like, oh, the help. Oh, da 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 da. And it's like, girl, like, what the yeah. fuck? And so that's, a, you know, that goes back like to this whole idea of like, like, why do we, why do people think that about us, you know? Um, because they there's the whole move not movement but like america was built on latinos like black and brown people's backs Mm -hmm. literally yeah literally and like it's it's crazy to me because same girl like when i go to restaurants like i have the habit of like cleaning my table making sure everything's on the plate because i respect that they're doing their jobs you know like i say please and thank you always Mm -hmm. like i was raised with fucking manners but it's also like I have Theos that deliver pizza. I have, you know, like, it's like, yeah. we, you, you, you respect. I mean, I was raised to respect everyone, you know, yeah. whatever. But like, again, yeah, I have family members that, that are working class. So I'm never going to put myself on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. I need to do this. So I won't have that type of job. Like, yeah, there's a preference of a job you want, but you can't look down on people mm-hmm. that are doing that and, too. You know, that doesn't make us better. Like me getting a degree does not make me better. Like it, like I, there's a lot of people out there that are like, well, I'm doing X, Y, Z. So I won't end up like this. And it's like, Oh, yeah. you know, like I just, it, it honestly, it breaks my heart because like, it almost feels like we're passing so much judgment on the people that we're struggling before us and you know and there's like the sense of like survivor survivors or wait no survivors guilt that I sometimes have of like and not saying that like I survived like the trenches or something like that what I mean is like from the neighborhood that I grew up in and like the people that worked very hard like why is it that you know they didn't end up in the same institution that I did you know it makes me think that it makes me that like think about how the barriers are so incredibly high that it's like oh wow you know one I'm able to you know do that but why weren't others able to why weren't others able to join me or why wasn't this like nurtured earlier on you know like I don't know but it's fine you know but I just it's it's interesting to me it's yeah 100% and I just remember it it this just took me back to a moment where I was at the time I was friends with this girl who secretly hated me and I didn't know it at the time and she I remember she was like so on me about looking for a new job. And this was like roughly around the time I really wanted out of Lush. Mm. Like I was like, I just, I can't do this anymore. And I had found a couple jobs that I was like, oh my gosh, I would be a manager at Mac or, you know, I'm a makeup artist. So this is perfect for me, you know, and me excitedly like telling her the pay or like, you know, the benefits and all that, like girl, I'm from South LA and like making 60K a year. Like that's a lot. Like, you know what I mean? Like that was so, that was so exciting for me because I'm like, dude, like I'm, this is a step up. This is like my boss bitch move, you Mm -hmm. know? And having her straight up tell me like, that's how much I make. And I have my master's. (laughs) Girl, what? 
and I literally that was like the beginning of the end like that was the beginning of like no. the oh you don't like me like that was like my eyes started opening at that and I was like you compare yourself to me got it good good to know and it was just very much like I respect people with degrees. I don't have one. Like, I didn't go to school. I School wasn't for me. I mm-hmm. realized that literally at SMC, I was like, I don't want to be here. This yeah. is not for me, love. I didn't even know you went to SMC. That's so cool. Yeah, I went for like a semester. I Like, like two semesters, I think. I went for a year. And yeah girl I was barely going to my classes I would get really frustrated at the parking because mm, oh, you parking know the parking was terrible. I took the bus but everybody like talked about the parking and it was bullshit because they made you pay for parking and then half the time you can't it was like parking. 80 bucks it was like 80 bucks and like I was like I can't do this so then I decided to transfer to West LA because I had a friend that was going to West LA and she was like dude parking passes are like 25 bucks there's always parking yeah. and like I transferred And I really wanted to do the cosmetology program. And obviously I didn't. And again, you're in your early, I was in my early twenties. I was figuring it out, but literally after I transferred to like SMC, I was already kind of like, "Mm, I don't want to be here. But of course my mom, my family was very much like, you have to go to school. Mm -hmm. So then I go to West LA and then I'm still like, no, I really don't want to be here. Like, this is not for me, love. I ended up just like stopped. I just stopped going and like I started working more. I was like asking my boss for more hours and like that's when I kind of fell into my I want to be a makeup artist. Mm-hmm. I want to do makeup. That's cool. And then I went into that whole journey there, but yeah, I just remember like it's those comments being made to you where you're like, "Well, I have my degree and I have my I went to school and I did X Y and Z and like I should be making more than you because I did all of these things." And it's yeah. like well, damn, bitch! Like I know how to bust my ass. Like I, what, what makes you think I can't work? What you, what you work? You know? Yeah, it's, I don't know. That kind of yeah, because like a lot of the times, you know, and I and you see it. Like, I, well, I see it in in the class, like in the school. Like you see people, like they they do think that they're better, you know? And oh, one hundred percent. And I'm just like, and then and then it just then there's other layers to that shit, dude. Then it's like once you're in that institution like UCLA, it's like then it's like, oh, you're a major. Then it's like because my major is like a Chicano Chicano studies, Central American studies and gender studies. That's those fucking genders are looked down upon. People talk so much shit about gender studies. But you know what? One of my colleagues, she got a fucking job straight out of graduation, like literally a job lined up and she's a gender studies major. Hello. Um, And so it's like. It doesn't, and then, oh, and then another layer to that is, like, the transfer thing. Like, if you transfer to, um, or transfer from a community college to that four-year, people look down upon you. Like, I remember, at like, mistakenly at, like, I couldn't remember in my group. I was like, oh, so you transferred? And she's like, oh, no, 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 I did not transfer. I was like, oh, my my bad sorry (laughs) I was like like, yeah I transferred so I just wanted to see who else like you know like I just turned it around like girl it's okay like no I was like oh no offense like I don't remember what I said but it was something to that girl at the end of the day your name is gonna be on that fucking diploma with that school's name what the fuck matters your first two years your first two years of college are literally like the basics that you need to do people even do community college because it's it's a it, better option. It is, it's literally absolutely. like less money. 
I always it's less money and you're more you're like more likely to explore your options and not feel so stuck into one path. If anybody like is in school and is listening to this, like take advantage of every single resource that your school has to offer, like the counseling, the free therapy, like the book vouchers. Like, I mean, you have you might have to qualify for certain things, which I think is bullshit. I think everybody should qualify. But yeah, I think everybody just needs to like exhaust and overuse these resources because that's what they're there for. Like, and I, I use them all book vouchers like that helped me a lot wow that's a that's really great and I yeah I really hope that the people listening to this that do go to community college really like get inspired by you because this is amazing like do that shit you know have your experience oh yeah I love it yeah because then a lot of the times you don't even think like especially like speaking for me like I didn't even want to transfer that was like not even I'm telling you, when I first applied or enrolled in SMC, my goal was to get a certificate. Not even an AA girl. I just wanted to get a certificate and bounce. But I don't wow, know. okay. Yeah, but it turned into an AA and then it turned into another. So it was like fashion merchandising. And then I had to completely get into another program, which was, I think it was sociology. I was under that little like guide thing because that's what was interesting to me at the time. But yeah, and I had to start taking other GE classes. That So it felt like I was there for a really long time. I was. I was at SMC for a really long time. So, you know, a lot of the times, you know, they're like, you got to be done in two years or three years or whatever. Probably two, most people. But hey, if, if it takes a little longer, so be it. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, Tracy, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on to the show today. I really enjoyed our conversation and getting like your thoughts on things. Like it was really great. Really great, great way to end season one, I believe. (laughs) Thank you. This is really nice. I'm glad that you um, invited me on. I really appreciate you. No, really. Thank you. It was just so great to sit and chat with you. It's very refreshing. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Season one has truly been such a pleasure recording and I cannot wait for season two already. If you guys would have like any ideas or any topics you would love for me to talk about, please shoot them my way shoot me a DM or send me an email at girlnotthisla at gmail.com. If you guys have any questions for Tracy or would like to pick her brain about anything, pop culture, just anything at all, please feel free to reach her on TikTok or on Instagram. Her handle is to live in style underscore in LA and she goes by Tracy Marie. And as we reached the very end of this episode, I would love to announce our giveaway winner, Miss Nardiz Carmiel Orozco. You won our giveaway. So Miss Nardiz, thank you so much for tuning in every week, showing me love and support. I really appreciate you, hermana. And I cannot wait to send you this amazing self-care bundle. So thank you again from the bottom of my heart. I love each and every one of you guys. You guys have no idea how much doing this podcast has meant to me. I honestly, it's going to be so hard not posting an episode every week because it's literally become my new normal. But a girl needs to, you know, reset, recharge and come back better than ever. So again, thank you all so fucking much. I cannot wait to chat with you guys again for season two. 
If you guys have any questions, any concerns, or any topics you would love for me to talk about or have a guest speaker with me, please shoot them my way. Shoot me an email. Shoot me a a DM. I am all ears, guys. Thank you for tuning in and reflecting with me. I urge you to take some time for yourself and document the outcome. New episodes will be coming every Wednesday. Feel free to reach out to me and share your stories or ask me a question at girlnotthisla at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and follow the podcast on your preferred streaming service. I'm Lindsay. Thank you for listening.